this week's episode, it's the 90s. I mean, it has to be, right? We're talking about Darkhawk for Pete's sake. Just kidding. We are talking about Darkhawk, but also a handful of great indie titles that center us solidly in today's awesome comic environment. It's all happening now in Cover B. Everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Yet another episode coming at you. Hot with I comics. Why. I don't know why. <laughs> Yet another episode. That was a bad intro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know you've asked us to stop, but here's another one. Deal with another was, episode yeah. of Cover B. That was the intro I chose. Yet another surprise, bitch. Here's another <laughs> episode. You know. didn't ask for this, but we gonna give it to <laughs> yeah, you. No, I don't know why I chose. <laughs> Where my brain is, they. Anyway, we're gonna talk about comics. Yeah, heckin' comics. It's so a first good time. up uh, is a book called Saint Mercy, or Street Mercy. Who knows, really? St Mercy. <laughs> it's Saint Mercy. I'm sorry. Uh, this was written by John Zir Platten, uh, with art by Attilio Rojo. Uh, this features a, it's a dual story, so one story told in the past, one story told in the quote-unquote present, the present being wild western times. Um, <laughs> the past story takes place during the height of the Incan Empire, um, and it focuses on a young woman who is being set up to be sacrificed to their god. Um, it's an honor you're going to be the bride of this god, um, and that is what uh, will free their people from hardships and whatnot. So she, in her narration, she's also the extended narrator of both the regular, both her time frame, so the past story, and the future story. She narrates both, and in her narration, she seems to be suggesting some sort of plan she has or some sort of double cross that she's planning um which is interesting i'm excited to see where that goes the future story focuses on the uh, titular saint mercy a woman named mercy who lives with her father uh who is a father he's a pastor preacher priest vicar deacon uh <laughs> One of them there's up in the religiousness. One of them. <laughs> one's them godly types. Um, they live in a church and they do churchly things. And she is adorable and nice and really awesome. And I like her character and everyone likes her. Um, and they are. There's also some bandits. Banditos in the in the wilderness. In the, the westerniness. And their paths eventually cross with Mercy and her father. Uh, and we find out some secrets of Mercy's heritage and her connection to uh, her Incan ancestor. And the book kind of leaves off with a little hint of maybe there's some supernatural stuff going on. So, uh, T, how'd you feel? I liked this book. I thought it was kind of a lot to consume to be quite honest because yeah. it's definitely a different mindset than what we're accustomed to you know we're taking this from the perspective of the narrator who mm -hmm. is excited to be the sacrificed wife to the god of the underworld and you know 
as someone in a modern society, I'm like, oh, no, this poor young girl is about to be sacrificed. This is terrible. And they show kind of instances of the sacrifice and like, oh, it's horrible and terrible. But in her mind, it's the ultimate elevation. It's how yeah. she's going to. It's an honor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so there's like this conflict as like, well, OK, you know, your body, your choice. But also <laughs> like, please don't sacrifice a young girl. <laughs> It makes me feel horrible. Yeah. Uh, so it's like this weird dichotomy that I have throughout the book. It, it makes you feel very uncomfortable. There's yeah. there's a strong sense of uncomfortability throughout a lot of it because you you relate to this girl and like she struggles with like body image issues and you're like yeah girl same. <laughs> and so there's just a there's a lot that's like you relate to her but also fully don't relate to her and then there's kind of like a you know maternal like oh no this poor thing and also like what is happening and also woo wild west is fun so there's just there's a lot to consume in this book but i really enjoyed it and i think it has yeah. it sets up some really cool ideas i think it's neat um i mean i'm always down for a western but i think this is a really creative way of telling a western too often when any sort of period piece is told it's kind of told as an isolated zone it's and i feel like westerns really kind of go all in on that you know yeah so when we do see, like, a long time ago, we talked about uh, Pulp, the uh, Brubaker book Yep. Um, about the, like, aging cowboy. Right. And uh, when we talked about that, like, one of the things I pointed out was how interesting it was to have this cowboy living at the onset of Nazi Germany. And it's really this kind of like bizarre feeling of realizing how close those things were. Yeah. Because you think of the Wild West as just this completely isolated thing. Yeah. You know, and uh, the Red Dead Redemption games, I think, do a really good job of that kind of like showing you how close the Wild West era, because they, they happen at like the close of the outlaw era. Right. And, you know, they show you how close that is to kind of more modern times, to other time periods. Right. That you don't really take into consideration. Um, and I think this is kind of an interesting way of doing it in the opposite. You know, these are both olden times by our consideration. Just one of them is like 500 years earlier, yeah. you know, but it, it puts the wild West in kind of a larger scope, like a larger time frame. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just an interesting way of utilizing that backdrop for a story by making it this kind of more universal thing and connected to other things. Right. And then adding a little bit of supernatural flavor into it and stuff like that. And Never mad at a supernatural splash. Yeah. And adding in, <laughs> you know, different cultures that you don't often see represented against the backdrop of the wild west and yeah. stuff. It's interesting. It's a really cool story. Like it's a very cool premise and setup for a story. So I'm excited to see where this one goes. Agreed. So next up, uh, we have a book called Life Formed. Uh, Life Formed number one came out this week. It is written by Matt uh, Lowry with art by Cassie Anderson. Um, this one features a father-daughter duo. Uh, obviously single father kind of situation. Daughter's a bit quirky. Has her own sort of like hang-ups and weirdness. The dad also has hang-ups and weirdness. And they're adorable. They're absolutely precious. And they're just kind of living their life, doing their thing. The dad's trying to instill uh, into his daughter this concept of being able to move out of the safety net of him. 
mm-hmm. doing school projects and speeches and, you know, doing things without his support and his his training wheels. Um, and then aliens attack. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> T, what do you think? This book is so adorable and takes such a right turn mm-hmm. so unexpectedly. Um, and not just like aliens. There is a particular panel where this book goes from like cutesy fun, maybe even like like E-rated book to like paper girls. <laughs> There's like one panel and I found myself literally like, <gasps> oh, <gasps> like startled. And, like, upset and sad. And and there's a lot that happens. It's funny because they do a good job of, like, setting a momentum in the beginning of the book that, like, feels very natural, very organic, very, you know, it's a girl, she's at school, and then you go from the progression of, you know, getting picked up and going home and working on homework. And, like, it feels very, like, normal and easily paced. And then the pace is so interesting because they use the pace of, like, a normal day To establish how fast things go from, like, normal to, like, bat poo crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's literally, like, a normal day progression. And then in, like, three minutes of time, it's, like, the world is upside down and everything is chaos. And it's... It's done really well. I think it's really cool. I think it's a really pretty book. Like, I really enjoyed the art in this book because it felt very engaging. It was cute. But it's still, like, got the point across Mm -hmm. when there's some, like upsetting stuff that happens um that being said there was like a twist halfway through the book that i'm not entirely sure i understand yet um and i won't spoil that for anyone because i want y'all's interpretations tell me how you read what is happening in this book because there's not a clear articulation of exactly what is happening yeah but i like that yeah we're you know, we're introduced to the aliens fairly early on. It's two stories kind of happening simultaneously to yeah. each other. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of... There were a lot of different ways that story was going to go that I was expecting. And I did not expect the chaos that happened yeah. toward the end. Absolutely. Um, you know, it very much seems like this is going to be a story about forging your own identity or like a story about identity in general survival survival being strong in the face of adversity and stuff like that but i i definitely was surprised by the more chaotic turn that it took i thought this was going to be more of a like my favorite martian kind of like yeah it sets I you have up an alien real friend like now you get you know? set up real morton mindy and then you go yeah, yeah. like real independence day real fast yeah yeah <laughs> So it, it was it was kind of crazy, but it's it's a cool book. It's very cute. Um, it's an approachable book. It's part of Scout's nonstop line, uh, which means we're not going to have any more issues. We're just going to have a trade. So it goes from issue one into a graphic novel. So maybe uh, we'll do a graphic novelty. Yeah, it. maybe we'll pick it up. Take a look at it. But keep an eye out for that. Really cool book, though. Uh, it it the relationship between the father and daughter is very organic and very sweet yes so it's a very heartwarming book to a point point. (laughs) next up one that i'm very excited about echo lands number one this was a book written uh co-written by j.h williams the third and w hayden blackman 
uh, with art by J.H. Williams. Uh, this book is, it's effectively another world where beings from all different sorts of backgrounds and narrative styles and art styles all converge. Some sort of fiction world uh, wherein all these different things coalesce. Uh, we focus on a red-hooded woman uh, who is a thief and working with a group of other thieves to thieve things. And we're going to see the kind of... It starts with a little teaser of the future. Uh, so we can we can tell from page one that this is going to be a story about watching Hope Red Hood, our main character, uh, rise into her powers. Understand what her powers are in this fantasy world that she's living in. Um, T, how'd you feel? The most startling and fascinating part about this book is the depiction of art in this book mm. it is not cohesive and that's what makes it so beautiful mm -hmm. it's every type of medium and mode and articulation yeah. of art all it's like a collage made into a comic book and it's so cool yeah and it gives it that like you know that vibe you get from like a shrek or like or like one of those times when they push all of the, or like into the woods, where you take all of the fairy tales and you kind of mm -hmm. shove them all together into mm -hmm. the same universe. And yeah. then they just sort of like cohabitate organically outside of the story, but inside of the story all at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's this book. Yeah. But it's done with a visual medium too. So it's like mind blowing. Yeah. And something that I think is really important about this book that matters to me as someone who deals with like graphic design and production on a daily basis i've had this argument with people where video is now potentially moving a little bit in the direction of a more vertical format because phones yeah. are a huge mode of you know communication yeah. and people are trying to go where people are and people are on their phones because that's what they do so a lot of people are arguing, oh, well, should we make videos and movies in a more vertical format? Should we go more horizontal? This book is a horizontal book. And I just have to say what a difference it makes to have a vertical or a horizontal format in a visual medium because it gives you so much more world. It does. Yeah, it it um and I was going to comment on that too, is this is a landscape format book. Um, and the cool thing that does is like you said, it gives you just this wider perspective of the world Yeah, and it, it increases, it changes the way you can pace a comic. Yes. And it makes me, it, I always have this argument where, you know, in, in any visual medium, when you try to condense to a vertical format, mm -hmm. you're, you have two options. You can either, you know, the top and bottom of the page are always going to be the top and bottom of your perspective, period. You can't adjust that. So you either have to siphon off the page and, and create like smaller chunks to create altered ups and downs, create false horizons, which then gives you more real estate, but limits how in depth you can be with your visuals or you just suck it up and you take the vertical format but then you're only getting a very truncated view of a normal you know peripheral experience this doesn't limit you 
And I feel like this book, if anything, should be when people are having this argument about whether we should format things for phones or not. I'm just going to throw this book at them and be like, <laughs> no, you yeah. shouldn't. And this is why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this book is fantastic. It's, uh, you know, just reiterating things T said, but it the the idea of having a bunch of different characters from different sorts of media or fantasy or stories or whatever it might end up being um kind of all organized into a world goes far beyond than what we usually see of just like oh they're all dressed differently or oh they're all you know slightly different color palettes or whatever it might be jh williams ability ability to go in and literally have a group shot like a massive marketplace shot of tons of different people a crowd and have individual groups be completely different art styles yeah completely entirely different comic art styles you've got like a black and white group you've got like ones that look more cartoony ones that look more photo real and this is not really something that i feel like a lot of people have played with in as effective of a representation before it's really Absolutely. really impressive and then putting this book into landscape form, like I said, you know, T mentioned that it gives you more real estate per page, but it also creates a really interesting pace for the comic itself. We're so used to panel layouts and comics being confined to this vertical page. Um, and therefore, you know, if you have a lot going on, it's like you go left to right down, left to right down, left to right down. And it creates these odd punctuation points that artists are really good at working with um you know but you can think of like every movement through the page being a period every time you've got a start and back at the left it's a period and so doing it in this format gives you this gives you longer sentences you can tell yeah before we're kind of punctuated and forced to go back down that's a really good way um, of articulating so the, that. the pacing is very very interesting in a in a landscape format you know, the the book, one of the main things that the book opens with is a chase sequence. And the chase sequence is just, it feels like it has a lot more velocity than what we're used to um, because of these long stretches of page. So oh, we definitely. get to see the characters really leaning into these runs as they're moving through these pages. And it's just, it's impressive. It's a, it's a great, this is a very artistic take on comics. Yeah. It's, it's very much an artist with years of experience and jh williams has been putting out incredible work for their entire career and it's it's an artist with that kind of background looking at comics and going how can we give it some oomph you know how how do i do this the way i want to do this in the best way and it's it's great it's it's really cool you know it's yeah. the story itself blends magic with a little bit of mystery and a little bit of science and technology. Um, but it's mostly just an amalgam of imagery. Yeah. It's just an amalgam of approachable images that you can accept and background characters. You kind of see them and you look at their outfits and how they're constructed and you kind of just get who they are. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's cool. It feels like a little bit Sandman with a little bit of like Alice in Wonderland. And it's just, it's, it's a fun read. It's a really fun it's really book. cool. I'm excited to see this one keep going. Like, I just... I was really amped when I heard about this book, and it definitely delivered. So, very, very good. Do not miss this one. And then finally, 
I feel like it's been a while, admittedly, yes. since we've talked about a Marvel or DC book. It's true. Not excluding our, like, summer break that we took, but I feel like we just haven't really had many yeah. come out lately that we've been looking to talk about. Um, and if you had asked me a <laughs> hundred something episodes ago, hey, Chris, what are the chances you're going to talk about this particular character? <laughs> I would have been like, who are you? <laughs> a time traveler from the 90s? Get out of here. Um, so anyway, we want to talk to you about Dark Hawk number one. Woo! The words themselves feel strange coming out of my mouth. <laughs> they they seem to graze across the tongue in an odd way. Dark Hawk number one. This focuses on a high school student who has a promising basketball career. He's a basketball champion. He's a basketball Jones, if it were. <laughs> he wants to be like Mike. Uh, he's in... He's a friend to those around him, so you could call him an air bud. I don't know. I'm running out of basketball references. He's good at basketball. Yeah. Real good. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> he <laughs> goes about his life. He's, you know, getting news interviewed, and he's getting, which is a weird way of saying interviewed by the news. Um, he's got a scholarship to Empire State. He's just living the dream. And then one day he passes out while on a run yep and he finds out that his future might not be as bright as it once was until a magical gem falls from the sky and maybe gives him a second shot at something great t what did you think okay so first off this book is proof that marvel executives are reading the facebook forums because the Facebook forums, all about comics, have been making fun of Darkhawk for, like, three years now. And so this was clearly just like, wow, Darkhawk trends a lot when we do our searches on social media. We should really put out a Darkhawk. <laughs> and now there's a Darkhawk. <laughs> but I actually really enjoyed this. And I'm something that stuck out to me so much. I mean, I will say it's very standard comic feel book you know youngish man comes into adversity gets superpowers things happen stuff you mm. know it's very it's very like it's comics okay it feels real comics <laughs> comics however something that stuck out to me significantly that i had to talk about is that all i kept thinking when i was reading this book was how this book did the things we wanted Radiant Black to do, and Radiant Black did Okay, yeah. Radiant Black provided someone random, some random nobody got special powers from some mysterious source, and then suddenly was able to, like, save the day with said powers. Yeah. Effectively, the exact same thing happened in this book. However... This book established the value of the person. 
It made you care about the lead character. It showed their work ethic and their motivation and their striving to do good. The things that are bad that happen to them, literally no fault of their own. Could not be controlled. If anything, is a shock and awe compared to the things that they work on to be better as people. Yeah. They're demonstrated as being good people. They are demonstrated as wanting to do what's right. And then they are given a gift of power. And then it makes sense. It's cohesive. You want to root for them. You want to support them. It's Mm -hmm. mysterious. But in a like normal way, it tips its hat towards the previous Darkhawk. Like it does all the right thing. It even sets up the bad guy and there's like... You care about the people around him and the people that he engages with, which I just feel like none of that (laughs) happened in Radiant Black. And it was what we were really frustrated about. It's a solid, that's a solid connection to make. Uh, Like, it definitely is. I think this is, I personally can't think of a superhero that is having to cope with multiple sclerosis. Sclerosis. Sorry. A hard time with that word. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting. And by the way, this was written by Kyle Higgins uh, with art by Juan Ramirez. Um, it's an interesting choice making the hero somebody who is just been diagnosed with MS. Yeah. And uh, I do think, from a storytelling standpoint, I kind of wish uh, the Dark Hawkening happened further down the line right than it did because it was kind of like hey you have ms and then like two weeks later he's like cool i'm a superhero now um but i i like stories superhero stories that feature somebody that is having to struggle with a traumatic or a degenerative condition in their day-to-day life and the superpower is kind of their escape from that but then there's some sort of trade-off that they have to have with that. I think yeah. that's compelling superhero storytelling. It worked with Jane Foster's Thor. It worked in God Country. Like, it's it's an interesting storytelling device. Daredevil, <laughs> even, can, to some degree. Well, not as much Daredevil. Daredevil's just... I mean, it, he has his powers because of... Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I see like, what you Not mean. as much Daredevil with, you know, him being blind. Um but, you know, Jane Foster with cancer. Right, right. God Country, the main character, is suffering from Alzheimer's. Oh, okay. And then gotcha. he gets this magical sword, and the magical sword lets him remember everything. But, you know, he can't walk around with a giant sword all the time. Right. So what no, does he do? No, that makes sense. And the sword doesn't want to be a part of his life all the time, and et cetera, et cetera. But um, with something like this, I think, I don't know what direction Higgins will take it. Um, like, what will be the kind of, like, trade-off gear? But it's, you know, you can go into this story fully aware that at some point this character is going to be like, but when I'm Darkhawk, when I'm Darkhawk, I don't have to worry about my MS. Yeah. And then so like, what is the, you know, what is the transition here? Like, yeah. where is the, it's, it's an interesting, I like this setup because it gives you the ability to tell a superhero story that's about the person and not just the superheroism about the power, you know, yeah. it's not just about, and he's setting that up a lot. Like the story seems to be, which is interesting for Darkhawk, which is usually like a very cosmic character stories, very focused on like his community. And yeah. it's very focused on, you know, themes of like 
making something of yourself outside of high school or living up to the expectation that people put on you right and stuff like that and um yeah i just i think this is going to be a cool book that's about the person as much as it is about being able to fly around and do all these crazy things right uh and so i'm you know i'm here for that i like that i like a superhero story that's more about the person behind the cape as opposed to the cape yeah punching the shit out of things you know what i mean so (laughs) uh yeah i really enjoyed it i think it's it's got a lot of potential yeah i think it'll be fun that's gonna do it for us uh that is our suggestions for this week if you want to hear episodes from previous week as weeks as well as our special episodes like graphic novelties powered gaming things like that uh pop on over to coverbpodcast.com and you can find all those episodes you can also find us on social media facebook twitter instagram and tiktok um at coverbpodcast we post all sorts of cool things including um we're gonna be doing maybe a little a few coverbe shorts which could highlight some titles that you might care about and that you won't hear about on the standard podcast episodes true and with that We will catch you guys next time for the next episode of Of Cover Cover B. B. Bye, everybody.